Shall we pray? God, uh, we have heard heavenly music. We have heard the scripture, and we want to hear a message before we go home. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, MasterCard is trying to compete with uh, Visa and American Express back in the early 90s. And so they decided to come out with this campaign called Priceless. Sure, you have heard of it. Now, before they came out with the idea of Priceless, they did a lot of research. And on the research, they found out that um, their two competitors were mainly targeting the people who were considered materialistic. But the funny thing is that on that research, they found out, too, that people were beginning to move away from things, and they wanted more experiences. They wanted something else. So MasterCard came out with the slogan, there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there is MasterCard. I'm sure you have seen the commercial. Uh, maybe not because you spent a lot of time reading the Bible, but if you haven't, I have a commercial that I want to show you so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. Two tickets, $46. Two hot dogs, two popcorns, two sodas, $27. One autographed baseball, $50. Real conversation with 11-year-old son? Priceless. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. Except that it ballparks coast to coast. Now, if I could make my own commercial, I would say something like driving to Calimesa, $10 on gas, buying a Sabbath school lesson at the ABC, $12, a uh, new suit at Marshall's, $100, worshiping with my brothers and sister at Calimesa, priceless. You like that, huh? Should work for MasterCard. Maybe in the side I can make extra money. I don't know if you catch the commercial. There is a message there that is telling us the money has limitations. Yeah, we can buy tickets, we can buy food, we can, but there are some things money can buy. And I think MasterCard had it right. Because with money, you can buy a house, but you cannot buy a home. You can buy a bed, but you cannot buy rest. You can buy medicines, but you cannot buy health. You can buy weapons, but you cannot buy peace. You can buy sex, but you cannot buy love. There's some things that money can't buy. This morning, I want to take you to a story that is familiar to you because we've been mentioning it throughout the morning service. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 1, the story of a man who learned later in his life that truly there are some things that money can buy. Verse 1, the Bible says that one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon, verse 2, now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. 
So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Before we continue, I have to warn you, the book of Acts, is, it's a powerful book. It, it's full of action, drama, a little bit of violence. It's good, better than a movie. It should keep you off the edge of your seat when you read it. Most of the times we're like, yeah, Acts chapter 1, good, chapter 2. No, it's, 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 there's a lot of things going on. Chapter 1, Jesus is leaving. He's saying bye to his disciples. His disciples are sad. They're crying. They're not sure what to do. They're afraid. They have doubts. They feel lost. Chapter 2, then God's presence comes pouring on them with the Holy Spirit. And you know everything changed from there. Everything changed. This is, this is where everything changes. You know, the people who were once afraid, the people who were once crying, the people who once had doubts, now they have confidence. Now they have it together. Now they're on the streets. They're at the mall. They're in Starbucks. They're at Costco. They're in a parking lot. They're at the gas station. They're at the university and colleges, churches. And they're speaking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they're saying that he was killed, but on the third day, he came back. That's right, he came back and now sits on the right hand of God. People were beginning to listen. They're like, oh, when you afraid, when you lost, when you confused? No. And they begin to ask questions. So tell me more about Jesus. So the Bible says the people were beginning to add to, to, to this small group. And, and there were more followers and more followers. Chapter 2, verse 43, the Bible says that everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracle signs were done by his followers. Wow, many wonders. Unfortunately, we don't have many of those events recorded on the Bible. Fortunately, Dr. Luke, the writer of Acts, decided to share with us the story on chapter 3. And I'm hoping that in the next few minutes we can get something out of it. The Bible says that Peter and John are going to the temple, 3 o'clock, not 9.30, Adventist time, you know, 3 o'clock. Why would they be going at 3 o'clock? Well, they were devout Jews. You have to understand that in Jewish customs, they had the evening sacrifice around 3 o'clock. They also had a morning sacrifice, and, and the evening sacrifice where they're going, it's also called the time of prayer, the time of incense. You have to understand that the early church shared some of the Jewish customs. And it took so many years before they began to detach. And they began to form their own traditions. So Peter and John, they're in town. They choose to go to the time of prayer to worship God. Verse 2, the Bible says that there is a crippled man from birth. Now, if you keep reading chapter 4, verse 22, it's going to tell you that this man has been crippled for over 40 years. Years, 40 years, that is a long time. I have some friends who love to play sports. They like to play um, soccer, basketball, volleyball, you name it. They like to bike, run. Now, when they get injured, they're a bunch of babies. Oh, man, my career's over. You never had a career, first of all, in sports. Oh, man, I don't know what to do. I can't run for two days. And, you know, they're miserable. They're depressed. They don't know what to do. They can't go to the gym because their doctor told them to rest. Now imagine this man, 40 years, 40 years with those limitations. He can't mountain bike. He can't run a marathon. He can't ski. He can't play golf with his buddies. The Bible says he was placed at the gate called the beautiful. Now, I, I don't want to get into details, but still theologians are not sure where this gate is located. All you have to know is within the property of the temple, not exactly 
in front of the worship center. It's somewhere within the property. That's where he was placed by his friends. Verse 3, the Bible says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter said, hey, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting something on return. Now, I'm sure this guy was saying, man, th- these two guys look pretty nice. They must be from Kalimessa. They seem pretty generous. Maybe I'll get a little bit of money. I'll be able to, to pay for the plasma 55-inch 55, 55 TV at Costco. Yes, I can watch all the NBA games. That's cool. He was expecting something in return. Maybe he was thinking, well, I can buy the new iPad from Apple, and I can check the Internet while I wait for the worshipers to come in to worship, expecting to get something from them. Verse 6, the Bible says, Peter, when he said, look at us, he also said, "Um, silver or gold, I do not have. What? (laughs) I'm sure the guy was like, yeah, you're telling me what? Silver, gold, you don't have? I mean, why are you telling me to look at you? You got no money. I mean, are you a college student or what, you know? College students are always broke. Oh, wait a minute. You must be in ministry. If you have no money, you must be full-time in ministry. And I'm sure at some point he was saying, well, if you don't have money, what are you doing here? Why don't you just keep walking? Because maybe there's somebody behind you who has a lot of money who brought their wallet to church. Silver or gold I do not have, but, oh, but, but what I have, I give you. I'm sure once again the guy is like, oh, okay, all right, all right, you got something. You got something for me, maybe a gift certificate to in and out Woo, can get a milkshake, fries, grilled cheese because I'm vegetarian, you know. There's something there. He's expecting something. I have something for you. He's expecting maybe a check. Or better yet, a MasterCard, a credit card. He accepts ATMs. But Peter says, sorry, gold or silver I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him out, and instantly the men's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Again, in the next few minutes, I want to concentrate on the three main characters of this story. First of all, the beggar. Forty years suffering from some type of limitation. Thinking that he has no hope. Thinking that all he can do is just accumulate things. He can only see his present life. He can't think about tomorrow, about the future, about eternity. He just thinks about today. How many people around us? are just like the beggar. Yeah, they may be able to walk, but their mentality is still the same. They're limited, thinking material things, thinking money, thinking things for just this present life. It's all they need. 
Think about it. This man, the beggar, is close at the gate, close to the temple, close from being in a place where he can hear a message that there is something else, there's something beyond, that there's some things money can't buy. Yet he seems so far asking for money, asking for gold, asking for silver. Now I want you to think about this week when you go home. But somebody who is in this situation, it's close to you, close to our church, close to our community. You don't have to go far away, but maybe there's somebody in need, somebody who needs to hear that there are some limitations on material things. It's possible that they live with you. It's possible that they work with you. It's possible that they go to school with you. It's possible that they're sitting next to you this morning. The beggar represented all humanity who think that Life, this life, is all there is. So close to hearing a different message, yet he's so far. Now, if you keep reading, you're going to find out that when he was healed, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I'm sure in some of our churches, we would have kicked them out already because that behavior is not allowed. We just sit down, worship God, lift one finger, maybe a little bit of the hand, praise God. But this guy was healed. For 40 years, he couldn't walk. For 40 years, he couldn't backpack. He couldn't run a marathon. Now he is healed by God, so he can't stop himself. He's in the presence of God, and he has to jump. He has to praise God, and people are looking at him a little bit weird who is this guy but overall they're accepting his behavior verse 9 it says when all the people saw him walking and praising God they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement the Greek word used by Dr. Luke is ecstasies <laughs> that's right the people were just so amazed that Luke had to use this word. They couldn't contempt themselves. When was the last time you came to worship and you actually felt amazed in awe and wonder of what God is doing in people's lives? When was the last time you saw somebody jump around, praise God, and worship because he's been healed? The next person I want you to look at it is Peter. Peter, simple guy. Not a fancy degree, um, not a fancy title, not a lot of money. In fact, he has to be honest with the beggar. He's like, uh, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Verse 7, he says that taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. I don't get it. Sometimes I just don't get it. I mean, isn't the name of Jesus enough to heal someone, why is Peter interfering? Why is Peter trying to get the credit? Or could it be that maybe Peter is actually just trying to help? Um, if, you, if you look at the life of Peter, I have this theory that Peter actually identified himself with this beggar. Sure, his limitations were different. He could walk, but he still had limitations. Let's talk about his character. 
He was explosive, impulsive. He was always saying the wrong things, getting into trouble. You, you remember some of the stories in the gospel? In fact, one of them come, that comes to mind is the one in Matthew chapter 14. You know, all the disciples, they're on a boat. They're row, row, row your boat. You know, they're just cruising along in the lake. And suddenly a storm comes out of nowhere. They're scared. And, and because there are no ladies around, the men are honest. And they're like, we're going to die. No. They're just crying. They're not sure if they're going to make it. And then you know the story. Jesus comes to them walking on water and people are like it's a ghost we're gonna die and just like peace man it's just me you know relax it's like remember peter big mouth peter he said lord if it's you tell me to come to you on water jesus said okay come and the bible says peter got down out of the boat walk on the water and came towards jesus but when he saw the winds he was afraid and beginning to sing cried out lord Save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Could it be that Peter now, months later, now that he has grown in his faith, could it be that he was remembering that time and maybe other times in which the Lord had reached out to him and all he wanted to do in this story was to just be part, be an instrument, be a vessel, and help other people just like the Lord has helped them. In fact, you can understand his maturity, his spiritual maturity, because when people are beginning to look at them, they're like, wow, Peter and John did that? Verse 12, the Bible says, Peter said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made these men walk? Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and now know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has given this complete healing to him as you can see. It's not me. I myself have been healed. I have been held by Jesus. All I'm trying to do is the same thing for others, and especially those around me who need help, who think that money is all they need, who material things it's all they want or they should have. I'm just trying to help. Maybe some of us this morning identify with Peter or should identify with Peter when we look at our lives. When we see where God has helped us, where God has reached out to us. And maybe the calling of this story is for us to do the same to the people nearby, to the people around us. One more thing that I see in a character that we cannot miss. Verse 7, the Bible says, or verse 6, when Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. He also says something super powerful. He said, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. There is the story of a humble monk named Thomas Aquinas. If you're into theology, I'm sure you have heard his name. You have read maybe some of his books and some of his writings. The story goes on saying that one day he was walking with Pope Innocent IV. In the time in the Middle Ages where the church was at its senate of power, prestige, and wealth. The Pope, as he's talking to him, point out the opulent surroundings. And he said to the monk, look, 
the church can no longer say, silver or gold I do not have. Thomas Aquinas replied, but neither can she say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Church, it's been a long time since the story in the book of Acts. A lot of things have happened. We have been able to process, process our lives. We have organized. We have a nice structure, a nice system. Uh, we are more educated. We think what, we know what Christianity is all about. We have built some awesome schools, institutions, clinics, hospitals. We're now a worldwide movement. But the question remains, is Jesus still the driving force of our ministry? Is he still the power of the church? Is he still, is still, is he still the head and the Lord of everything we do? Because at times I feel like as a church we lose the identity. Yes, it's about helping people. But remember, we can only help people for so long. There is a difference between a humanitarian team and a church. The difference is Jesus Christ, a complete package. We still give the food, the clothes, the health care, but we must include the kingdom of God because that's the only hope for humanity. If we don't do that, then we are missing out, and we're just like the church in the Middle Ages with money, with buildings, with great traditions, but without Christ. Let me leave you with a quote from one of my commentaries that I like to read. It is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. God bless us as we think about this story. When 
I want to sing, and when I want to sing, and when I want to sing, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you may have all the rest, give me Jesus, when I am alone, give me Shall we pray? There are some things that money can't buy. That's why we have chosen Jesus. And as a church, we have chosen Jesus because we know that's, that's everything for us. Now we realize that beyond these walls, there are people who don't know the message. So we pray that we can be that instrument, that we can be the Peter, the vessel, that will share to them that there is something else beyond the material things, beyond this world. His name is Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.